We are back. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Chill so as ever. Back. I'm all screaming, we're back. And you're like, hey, we're back. <laughs> all fucking ASMR and shit. Um, that is your way. That is uh, how you conduct your uh, life, which is in direct opposition with how I am with mine. Because uh, I'm constantly loud and uh, yelling at you. Not yelling at you, but just yelling conversationally to you. Um, yeah. So, hi. Welcome back. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm super excited. It has been three months. And uh, that's the longest hiatus we've ever taken. Three months. It was a long time, but it did kind of fly by, though. Not going to lie. I, I think- know. <laughs> The whole year is kind of flying by because now I'm like, oh, my God, it's like summer. and I'm going to have to put the fucking tree back up any minute now. Yeah. <laughs> kind of For... feel it. I was just thinking about Halloween. I'm like, it's practically here. <laughs> and we should probably pick out what we're going to dress up as for that episode. What are we going to cover? Um, yeah, it's it's going by super, super fast. Um, so, guys, we have not been um, just sitting around doing nothing these last three months. We have been... Um, like, don't lie. Only half the time, though. I mean, only half half the time, really. But in the other half of the time, we've been talking about um, things, changes we wanted to make to the show and things we wanted to do differently, things we wanted to add and that kind of stuff. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it with I don't have my buttons anymore. I got to find them. EVPs. Those aren't going away. Endless vocal prattling is here to stay. Um, so Laura, um, let's tell them real quick. This one's going to be kind of longer guys, simply because we've been gone for three months. So we've got some stuff to tell you. Um, the very first thing that we want to tell you is we have a brand new website and, um, it is a little more streamlined. It's a little bit more slimmed down, um, a little more simple, I guess, if you will, um, we really like it. We it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, on the homepage, you're gonna find, you know, all the new episodes. You're gonna find uh, 2023. We've been talking about it for several months. We're going on a convention tour, so you're gonna find all of the places that you can come out and see us at the paranormal conventions. And then there's of course the about the show. You can listen to episodes. You can subscribe. Everywhere you get podcasts, we're on YouTube, like it's a whole thing. Go check it out. Same domain, H-O-A-H podcast.com. So yeah, new site. Go check it out. Yeah, it looks great. It's awesome. Loving it. All right. And we're also in that vein, going to be having a new intro that you guys will hear pretty soon. Uh, EKB is going to hook us up and that is coming in i would say in the next uh, month or so yes so yeah yeah and it's going to be super fun we're very jazzed about it she is going to um, make it real fun and different so looking forward to it yeah she's really amazing she's one of the um, top breakbeat djs in the country i don't think i'm overselling that um overstating that stating or selling Anyway, I don't think I'm overdoing that. Um, and so she's she's actually going to like create the music and, and all of that fun stuff for the new intro. So we're super excited about that. Um, she's also going on tour. So the coordination of all three of our schedules has been a bit of a thing. 
Um, but yeah, we we're excited. We're all just so popular. It's hard. So, I mean, listen, guys. <laughs> um, so a couple of things with regard to uh, the new format. It's not going to be too, too new. Guys, it's going to be the same exact thing that you've come to expect from us, which is basically a train wreck of information on the paranormal. Uh, but we are going to move the chit chat to the end of the episode. We do read all of your comments. We do read all of your emails, all of your messages, all of your suggestions. And quite frankly, there's only been like a teeny handful of suggestions and stuff like that. Reviews, things like that. Um, so basically all of our chit chat. And if you guys want to know what's going on in our personal lives, we're going to move that to the end of the episode after we tell you the amazing story we have to tell you. And um to that end, you, there are some folks that comment on our YouTube, on our episodes, on our social media that are not, um, you know, they're giving us a chance and we're super grateful for that. Um, but they're not, you know, they're not vibing with us. They're not, they're not loving history of a haunting and that's perfectly fine. Um, but we have only taken two of those suggestions uh, to heart and incorporated them into the new History of Haunting, which is Chit Chat's now going to be at the end. And then also um, we're going to, and you guys may have noticed this in the previous, I don't know, three or four episodes on YouTube um, prior to this, we have started putting out a content warning uh, prior to the YouTube episodes. Um, and in that, you know, you know, mature content, discretion is advised. Um, there are some people that choose to listen to a paranormal podcast with their young children. And by young, I mean six, seven years old. Um, you do you as parents. And somebody said, hey, maybe you put a content warning so that we know we can, you know, you're going to say fuck a lot. Okay, so that's what we've started doing. So that's another suggestion that we have taken and incorporated into the show. Um, beyond that, um, if you don't like us and you don't like our banter, you don't like that I interrupt Laura 900,000 times, okay, fine. Uh, you don't like the way that we tell the story. You don't like the way that we react. You don't like whatever you don't like about the show. That's perfectly fine. Again, we thank you for giving us a shot. However, we don't care. We don't care. Um, we got a comment this weekend on um, one of our episodes on YouTube. And the girl was like, LOL, we don't want to hear about your weekends. Okay. Thank you for giving us a chance. Truly. We, we, we really are grateful for it. Uh, but we don't care. It's our podcast. We're going to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. If you don't want to hear about our weekends, you don't want to hear about our children, you don't want to hear about our pets, we don't care. You don't have to listen to us. Um, so by all means, go take a listen to another podcast, maybe one that is more um, polished and uh, professionally produced. Fine, whatever. Uh, we have been doing this for almost three years now. We have a very loyal and devoted and growing fan base that vibes with us. And um, you know what? They're our tribe. And maybe it's because that they too have 19 different trains of thought running around in their head at any given time and just happen to come out whenever it comes out. Um, we are very loyal to our listeners. We love them. And um, 
we, you know, if we miss out on a couple of you because you don't want to hear about our weekends or our children, we don't care. So um, you can also start your own podcast. Talk about whatever you want, however you want. You are welcome to do that as well. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the new mantra of this uh, new era of History of a Haunting podcast. Thank you for giving us a shot. Thank you for telling us what you don't like about us. And we welcome your opinions, uh, but we will tell you we don't care. So to that end, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right. tired of being, because I, I will text you, Laura, and I will be like, oh my God, this person said this and that, and this review said this and that, and like, be upset about it. And you're like, so what? And I'm like, oh, all right, maybe so what? Yeah, she's right. So what? We don't care. We're doing really quite well the way we want to do it. And we love our fans and they're growing every single day. So for those of you who just don't vibe with us, that's okay with us too. We certainly wish you well and good luck on your journey. <laughs> but for those who do vibe with us, uh, we will be mm-hmm. very soon at uh, Mansfield Parasitecon. Yes. So it's at the Mansfield. Is it penitentiary? Is that what it is? Is it a penitentiary? It's a penitentiary. It's a reformatory. Right. It's it's. A, I wasn't it sure what they kind of called it. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> so I was like, which one are we going with? Mm-hmm. So right. Um, and we're going to be there May twentieth and twenty first. Yes. And that is in Ohio. Uh, for those of you not familiar, and if you want to find out more details, you can go to parasycon.com. Uh, We're going to be doing some really fun stuff over there. Uh, We're going to be having anybody that wants to really come and tell us some of their own personal ghost experiences. And we're going to record them and we're going to compile them and bring them to you guys. Um, And we're really excited to hear everybody's personal stories and, uh, you know, everybody, if you want to be on a podcast, come on down on our podcast. And yeah. <laughs> we will record. And if you have a good story, come on, tell us, and we'll record it. And we're going to talk to you, and we want to mm-hmm. hear it, and then we're going to share it with the listeners. Yes. So we're really excited about that. Mm-hmm. That was and- Laura's brainchild, so I have to give her credit for that. This was her idea, and it was brilliant. So great job, Laura. Thank you. And if you do come down and share a good uh, ghost tale with us, actually, even if you share a shitty one, uh, we're still going <laughs> to enter you into um, the raffle for. <laughs> You can win a complete set of Andrea Perrin's books, and she will autograph them to you specifically. Yes. And we will send those out to you. So uh, come on down, win some books, have a good time, hang out with us. Yeah. It's going to be a really good, really good time. I am so fucking excited. I can't tell you. I can't wait. Um, Plus, I've never been there, so I'm really excited to go. So yeah. Yeah really cool place gonna be fucking rad yeah guys it's the place that um the shawshank redemption was filmed at um which is what i have to like tell my mom she was like no which place is this i'm like it's where shawshank was filmed she's like oh that's right so a lot of you know it by that um we did cover it in an earlier episode when archie was on the show and um We're going to, um, oh, actually, that's another EVP, Laura, that we need to tell them about in just a minute. But 
Um, we're very excited about it. Andrea herself is actually going to be at this Paracon. She's going to have her own vendor booth and she's going to be doing panels and she is going to be part of the celebrity ghost hunt um, that you guys can um, go on. Ghost Brothers, Dave Schrader, Dustin Perry, Andrea Parent. I mean, you got... we. Laura, do you realize the paranormal, almost royalty we're going to be around? <laughs> I'm a fan of girling a teeny tiny little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we at our booth, like Laura said, we're going to be doing, we're going to be filming you guys, telling us your creepy paranormal stories. But we're also going to be selling merch. We've got merch and I am working so hard to make it. Um and so uh, if you don't like the merch I make, again, I don't care. Don't buy it. Um, but this is it. I don't. Can you see it, Laura? Like at all kind of? Uh, not really. Not really. Yeah. So this is History of a Haunting on the one side and then the little ghosty. You can see the little ghosty, yeah? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It's, if you can kind of imagine it, it's kind I, of etched, etched on there. So it's a pint glass with um, the yeah. etching of our little ghost guy from our logo and yes. history of hosting on the other side. So yeah, really cool. Uh, can't wait to get these out. You guys can stop by the booth and pick them up. Yes, for sure. So we got pine glasses. We've got coffee mugs, history of a haunting. Do, 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 do. Little ghosty on the other side. And then we also have wine glasses. This is one of them, uh, but I haven't done anything with it yet. So it's just a stemless wine glass. It's 20 ounces. Chug away. Um, right. so that's that on that, uh, Laura, you gave them the website, parasitecon.com tickets are still available. And, um, I did have something else. What was it? I was going to say, I had something I else no to idea. talk about that was an EVP. I forget what it is, but you know what? Literally nothing has changed in three months, guys. Like nothing. If it comes to me, I will say it at the end of the show. And if it's pertinent, then you should probably. Oh, right. That's what it is. Jesus, my brain. Laura and I have talked about um, redoing and revisiting some locations uh, that we covered early, early, early on in the podcast um, that we would like to kind of retell those stories um, largely because, you know, the audio is crazy. The research was a little nuts. Like things were just sort of raw. Um, so there are certain locations that Laura and I are going to revisit and, um, it's going to be things like the Queen Mary and the Jerome Grand Hotel. Granted, that is one of our most popular episodes because we were all so crazy in that one. But, um, what else did we decide we were going to do? We were going to do, I think we had like eight of them. We I chose. think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think maybe the one in Austin, the Driscoll uh, hotel. Yes. The Driscoll hotel that I stayed at. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few smattering of them that we're going to go back and uh, revisit and yeah. Revisit. It's gonna be fun. It'll be fun. We're not going to redo them. We're going to revisit them. And especially because we've been to a lot of these places now. Um, but 
to that end, we are actually going to be revisiting the Ohio State Reformatory episode. And for those of you that have been with us since the very beginning, you will remember that Archie and I recorded that with his roommate, Edward, and we dedicated the episode to one of his very best friends, Trinity, who unfortunately did pass away um, within one year after the episode was released. So I want to make it very clear we're not redoing them. We're not replacing those episodes. We're still keeping them on, but we are going to be revisiting them. Um, And we're starting with Ohio State because obviously we're going to freaking be there. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do a lot of Facebook lives from the con. So if you can, if you're in town, if you're in the neighborhood, come on by and see us. There's going to be a ton of vendors, a ton of food trucks. I know that if Laura wanders off to search for her at the food truck alley first, um, it's not like all I do is like wander over and eat. Listen, are you telling me you weren't super excited by the photos of all the food trucks last year? I mean, it's nice to be able to eat. We're going to be stuck in a prison all day, so it will be actually, I'm sure at some point we will be hungry. Yeah. Uh, Also, you guys are going to be able to meet my beautiful niece, Emma. She was on an episode with us and her boyfriend, Declan, are coming to help us run the table. So um, we're excited and we hope to see you uh, on uh, May 19th and 20th, 20th and 21st. Laura, what was it? What were the... (laughs) 21st. You got this. Come on. (laughs) Look, I'm just like, get the merch done in time is all I'm kind kind of thinking about. So to that end, guys, those are the EVPs. It is a very long one. We haven't seen you or talked to you in three months. We knew this was going to be a long EVP session this is not our bullshitting surprisingly we have more of it to say at the end of the show but today is saturday may 6th and laura knows what day it is i know what day it is most of you probably know what day it is today is coronation day of the new king charles the third so laura and i figured what better ways to celebrate the coronation and a new era of the british monarchy than to laura tell them we are going to cover the ghosts of the british monarchy humphrey is excited sorry, and sorry. their guard dogs <laughs> <laughs> something like that yeah. yes her they had a king whoa the king's guards are going to be replaced by stop talking to me <laughs> Go, 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 go. All right. I will start it and then you can mute and handle him. I will go ahead and start it. I'll do the first one. Okay, here we go. Oh, (laughs) all right. Laura normally starts the shows, uh, but clearly she's got uh, King Charles III's guard dog to get under control. So I'm going to go ahead and... get it started guys literally nothing has fucking changed so all right uh oh wait hang on the sources uh <laughs> we're gonna talk right, to- i'm back oh I you're you know you're we didn't back. come here to fuck spiders we're here so uh yeah go right away sorry sources. laura's gonna take it over jesus could you make it smaller <laughs> i'm sorry read it off your script it's like giant on the script listen I'm fucking blind. Okay. Grunge.com, article by Becky Robbins. Mirror.co.uk, article by Rebecca Russell. Uh, Miscellana.com, article by Anna Claudia Paxo. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Russell.com, article by Lucy, Lucia Peters. Medium.com, blog by Esh. Royalcentral.co.uk. NewYorkPost.com, article by Samantha Abraham. Yay. All right. Good job. 
Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just like blow everything up ten times. <laughs> All right, let's talk about these ghosts of the British monarchy. I am so excited about this. All right, okay. so let's get it started with Anne Boleyn. And we all kind of hopefully know who she is. Um, there's a great show called Tudors, if you don't. Uh, so depending on which story you believe, Anne Boleyn was either a cheating, power-loving, husband-stealing, not super nice person, or she married Henry VIII because she didn't feel like she had a choice. At any rate, Anne Boleyn got executed by her husband for the great crime of giving birth to a girl instead of a boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Yeah. So King Henry VIII's second wife, Queen Anne Boleyn, was beheaded by sword in the Tower of London on May 19th, 1536, after she was accused by her husband of adultery and incest with her brother. Wow. Right. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Um, 11 days later, he would marry one of her ladies-in-waiting, Jane Seymour. Anne's restless spirit has shown up in at least seven different places over the years, from the place of her birth to the place of her death. Uh, in one of the most elaborate tales, Anne's spirits um, haunt Bickling Hall, her birthplace, but evidently only on the anniversary of her death. Okay. Anne's ghosts arrive in fine style in a carriage driven by six horses, driven by a coachman. Anne, who's sitting inside the carriage and holding her severed head in her lap, as you do, disembarks and the carriage disappears. Don't go anywhere without it. <laughs> Blickling alone until daybreak. She also haunts the Tower of London, where she's rumored to have given some poor sentry a heart attack when he encountered her phantom in a stairwell. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like, especially, you know, she's just wandering around holding her head. Anne's <laughs> restless spirit has been rumored to roam by the Queen's house near where she was executed. She also has been spotted at the head of a procession of apparitions of lords and ladies at the Cha Chapel Royal of St. Peter at Vicula. Uh, did I say that right, Carrie? Because I know you are the expert of all things English royalty. I think it's Vincula. All right, Vincula. There you go. It seemed like I didn't, but okay. So she's buried beneath the chapel's altar. Her headless body has also been spotted gliding across the corridors of the tower. She can sometimes be seen in a window of the Dean's Cloister at Windsor Castle. She looks sad, and occasionally she weeps. It's really not hard to see why. I would uh, too. She right? <laughs> she travels from time to time, too. It's nice she gets out. <laughs> According to Haunted Rooms, Amberlynn's ghost has also allegedly been spotted at Sal Church and Marwa Hall and at Hever Castle, her family's former estate, which Henry VIII gave to his fourth wife, Anne of Cleves, when they divorced six months after they were married. What a yeah. swell guy. I mean, really swell guy. Now, Laura, you and I were in London back in October, and we yeah. have actually been at the Tower of London. Correct. We have seen that it's really no small thing to stand in a place of such history and to, as you're telling this story of Anne Boleyn and her execution and, and you know, the kids and I went into the church of St. Peter ad vincula. Like we, we were, we saw the altar. Like it's really no small thing to be like, Hey, all this stuff happened in 15 fucking 36. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it's been, a minute. it's been a little bit of a minute. Um, she's probably still pretty upset. I would be, I, I do hold a grudge. Uh, but 
Yeah, it's really, really quite amazing to be able to go to um, places like this. Uh, so you, if you guys ever have an opportunity, it's it's to just kind of walk where they walked is 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 really quite remarkable. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was wonderful. Also, I always find it's nice to see it in person so you can really feel the scale of mm-hmm. things. Like you see it on TV, you get an idea, but when sure. you're there in person, it's always different. It's always different. Yeah. And they always make it look so much bigger. Like these are the rooms that Sir Walter Raleigh was imprisoned in. And it's like, well, this is kind of small. And the ceilings are really lit. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just, it looks so grand on television, but when you're actually there, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's vastly different. Um, There's just nothing that can, you know, um, there's nothing that can, can really prepare you for what it's really like to be in these places. So if you get the opportunity go, everybody knows I'm a huge, huge fan of the tower of London. Um, and, uh, yeah. And Berlin, you know, Henry did her dirty. I think, I think most people think that too. Uh, another wife that he did really <laughs> dirty I'm all, and he didn't stop there. <laughs> he really didn't. Um, so let's see. And, uh, three wives later, uh, Catherine Howard, um, <laughs> by the time Henry VIII uh, got around to his fifth wife, he had a bit of a reputation um, as being a guy that you really didn't want to marry because of the whole, you know, wife killing thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he just, he was sort of like had this reputation. So, but Catherine Howard married him anyway. Now, it's important to note that at the time he kind of stumbled across her, uh, she was 16 years old. And quite frankly, she was seduced by the idea of being queen. Because at the time, it was no small thing to have the king's favor, particularly this king. Um, even though you knew your life expectancy probably dropped dramatically the minute he was like, hey, she's cute. But still, Um but at the time, she also wasn't really allowed to make her own choices, um, which was kind of like the way the upper class women sort of had to just kind of resign themselves to, especially very young ones like Catherine Howard. So he marries her at the age of 16. And before she is coronated, he finds out that she preemptively cheated on him, um, which at the time was a very improper thing to do. Um, So it wasn't that he was being this like irrational guy. I mean, he was, but in this instance, that was a very improper thing to, to do to hide from most men you're going to marry. And by all accounts and for sure the King of England. So while she was living in the home of a dowager duchess, now a dowager um, in in this reference means a widow, basically. Um, So in the home of a dowager duchess with other orphaned um, children of noble families, I believe, um, she had a sexual relationship with one of them. Okay. Naughty, naughty. Uh Uh-huh. So she... Catches the eye of Henry VIII. She marries him. Um, <laughs> and she fails to tell him that she had this little dalliance with this other guy at the orphanage. Okay. However, before she was crowned queen, she actually did engage in an affair 
Um, she's married to Harry. Harry. Nope. Sorry. Henry. <laughs> she's married to Henry. She engages in this affair with one of his, I think it was one of his guards, a guy by the name of Thomas Culpepper. And this affair went on for some time. And they weren't really like chill about it. They were kind of like sneaking around and giggling and like there was nothing else to do but listen. And like you could hear everything in these creepy old castles and like people knew what was up. So when somebody found out about this rumor that the queen was having an affair with one of the king's guards, they informed the king because of course they did. And he ordered her to be locked in her apartments. So while she was locked in her apartments, they searched the rooms and they found love letters that she had written to this Thomas Culpepper. And basically these love letters proved the rumor to be true. So in the course of in like interrogating her ladies in waiting, the staff, anybody that would have been around her and him, like it was a whole investigation. They found that while she was at an orphan and before she met Harry or God damn, Henry. <laughs> sorry. He's been in the news a lot lately. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, different ginger. I mean, different, much different ginger. I apologize. <clears throat> Though I do think there is a lineage tie, but that's another show. Um, they, in, in, in the course of the interrogation, Henry VIII finds out that she had this dalliance with this other guy. Um, prior to meeting him. And so basically the, the sin and the, the illegal charge or whatever that he had even more against her aside from adultery was that she was impure at the time she married him and she didn't tell him. So his reputation looked bad because he married this woman who was not a virgin, who was not. And the, the King is supposed to be, Chosen by God, right? It was it was very it was it was bad news for Catherine Howard. So not treasure, a thousand percent. So he bought a he brought a bunch of charges against her, and he held her. Um, he had her held um, at Hampton Court Palace, one other palace, and then at Hampton Court prior to her execution. Um, at one point, Catherine broke away from her guards and went running and screaming down the hallway toward Henry's apartments desperate to plead her case to him because she really believed that he would listen to her. Um, apparently she didn't understand the stories of the four women that came before her, but she really thought that she could, you know, make him understand. Mm-hmm. So, um, she was trying to appeal to his sense of mercy. She was dragged screaming back to her room and the execution went on as planned. Um, now when taken to her cell in the tower of London, Henry VIII was a really vile guy and he was just vindictive. So he had his guards at the tower purposely walk her past this wall that had heads on spikes. And one head was the kid she slept with at the Dowager Duchess's orphanage. And the other head was Thomas Culpepper's head. So he purposely had her walked by the heads of these two guys to show her, look what you're gonna look at what's gonna happen to you. He was oh, wow. vicious. He was For savage. Real. He was super savage. Um, so today, the hallway in Hampton Court Palace is known as the Haunted Gallery because it's rumored that, rumored that her ghost still runs down the corridor, screaming and begging for mercy from her husband. 
Wow, that's a good one. It's a good one. It's a really, really yeah. good one. It's a, it's a, it's a teeny haunting, but the backstory is just, it's just, um, just lovely. Mm-mm. Super, yum, yum. super, super lovely. Um, yeah. So. All right. So now we are to Miss Jane Seymour. Who was only the only one of Henry's six wives who wasn't divorced, executed, or nearly executed? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I write, Yay, Jane! Uh, so on the contrary, Henry thought of Jane as his one true wife, um, not because he especially loved her, but because she had the good sense to give him an actual male heir. Yeah. So Henry married Jane Seymour 11 days after the execution of her predecessor, Anne Boleyn. So clearly neither she nor her new husband seemed to be especially bothered with quaint ideas about respect for the dead or anything. No, nothing like Uh, that. But even though Jane Seymour was the favorite wife, and even though she never did anything so treasonous as giving Henry a daughter, she didn't have a happy ending. Uh, Instead, she died young, just 12 days after giving birth to Henry's son, Edward. Uh, There was complications from the delivery of the baby. So King Henry was so aggrieved by her death, he is said to have locked himself away for months, causing his court to become increasingly worried. Uh, She was buried in one of the vaults under in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. And when Henry died, he ordered that he was to be buried with her. Lucky her, right? I mean, uh, it's actually kind of packed down there, and I'll, I'll talk about it briefly, briefly when you're done, but it's kind of crowded down there. It's not a romantic right. getaway at all. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, so Jane Seymour still haunts Hampton Court Palace, though for some reason she doesn't really hang around apartment 33, the room where she gave birth to Edward and later died. Uh, instead, she's been seen wandering on the cobblestones of Clock Court, And she's also been seen climbing the stairs to the Silver Stick Gallery on the anniversary of Edward's birth, dressed in a white robe and carrying a candle. Aww. I like that, though. I think that's really... Yeah, that one's kind of nice. That one is kind of nice. Um... Yeah, I mean, Henry VIII was this huge, huge... I mean, he's probably one of the most popular... Not popular, but well-known British monarchs. Um, and I, I had read that he had had this elaborate plan. Like we've been to Westminster Abbey. You have seen the tombs of these monarchs, mm-hmm. um, including his own parents, huge, huge. And his daughter, the one that, you know, he killed her, her mother for giving birth to a daughter, Queen Elizabeth I. They're ornate. They're huge. They're just unbelievable. And he had wanted the same thing for himself. However, uh, he had spent a lot of money, and so, like, the monarchy was kind of poor by the time, like, he died, and his son, I think, was maybe 9, 10, 11 years old when he, like, became king, and then he died young, too, and it was a whole thing, till finally people were just like, yeah, you know what, we're not doing it, we don't have the money, blah, 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 we're gonna, he wanted to be buried with Jane Seymour, we're gonna put him underneath the altar of St. George's Chapel with Jane Seymour, Okay, great. Um, You guys can go look it up online. They, at one point, did open up that tomb. um, And uh, he, I believe, is in just kind of a wooden box. Not even a real casket. It's broken open by now. Um, There's, it's, it's not at all what you would expect the final resting place of one of the most 
magnanimous uh, monarchs of um, the British monarchy to be buried in. Um, I think Charles the second is there and I think maybe like the baby of Queen Anne there's it's kind of crowded like I said it's not right, yeah yeah there's there's some folks there um so it's not really like this amazing place that you would expect Henry VIII to have but which I thought was really fascinating um so the next one is actually Queen Elizabeth the first who is the daughter uh that <laughs> he didn't want of uh <laughs> Henry the Eighth and Anne Boleyn. Um so as we know, drama, violence, and betrayal are some of the most important ingredients for a restless spirit. Now her ghost has been seen in a couple of different places. Um, there was a famous story in 1951 where two tourists spotted what they thought was a wax figure of Queen Elizabeth I, who is also known as the Virgin Queen. Um, they, they spotted this wax figure at the end of the long gallery at a place called Hatfield house, which was actually her childhood home. Because if you guys remember from other episodes or just, you know, your own watching of British monarch monarchy history, um, Royal babies weren't raised by their parents. They were (laughs) sent off to other homes and raised, raised by other people. I mean, that's one reason to become royal, right there. Listen, nannies. Nannies. Yeah. And like the whole wet nurse thing, I was like, yeah, man, you do it. You breastfeed him. I'm good. That's fine. I could have my wine. I could have my ale. I could... <laughs> I'm such I a get. To, I don't have to pump and dump anymore. Listen. <laughs> that's what you're for. <laughs> I would be such a ghetto queen. Um, so... They saw this wax figure of the Virgin Queen at Hatfield House, which was her childhood home. Uh, But when they approached it, it vanished. Now, it's important to note that wax, um, at the time, that wasn't unusual. So it wasn't like Madame Tussauds is a new thing. Madame Tussaud actually was a woman in the what? In France, it started, Laura, Mm -hmm. um, in the... 15, 1600. It wasn't unusual for death masks and things to be. Yeah, death masks were really popular. Yeah, made of the deceased. So the fact that these tourists in what the, what did I say, 1951, saw a wax figure, that's not shocking because wax figures were a thing. Madame Tussaud is the one who created that by starting to do death masks. So anyway. I just wanted to throw that caveat in there. But like so many other royal ghosts, she doesn't sit, stick with a single haunting. I love this story. I love, I love this. If this is what she's doing, I love it. So according to the Anne Boleyn Files, which, which yes, is an actual website, her daughter also haunts the Royal Library at Windsor Castle. Now, witnesses have reported... Um, hearing the sound of her footsteps on the stone floors that's then followed by her apparition as it crosses uh, from the library to another room. And there have been a number of monarchs that have claimed to have seen her. Monarchs, not just, you know, like whatever people that you wouldn't really listen to because they're not the monarch, but actual Mm -hmm. monarchs. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So among those who have said that they have seen her are George III. And we talk about him a little bit later on. He is the king of England who lost us. He is a king that was king when America became America. That guy. Um, (laughs) Edward VII and George VI. 
Um, now, George III, who's also known as the Mad King, he's the one that was king during the American Revolution. He claimed to have spoken to Queen Elizabeth, um, who told him that she was married to England, which was something that she often said when people, her courtiers, her um, her council would say, you need to get married. You need to have an heir. You need to do this. And she would always say, I don't need to do any of that. Uh, I'm married to England and also I'm the queen. So I don't care. Uh, <laughs> so she, he says that, you know, she told him that she was married to England, which was very common for her to have said when she was alive. Um, now, George VI was the late Queen Elizabeth II's father. So for those of you who have seen the King's Speech, that gentleman, the guy who that movie is about, this is him, mm -hmm. George VI. He claimed to have seen her at Windsor Castle for uh, eight nights in a row, just as Britain was getting ready to enter into World War II. Wow. Eight nights in a row he saw her. Um, I really feel like, I feel like, like that's really... <laughs> There's some there's some um, believability behind that. You know what I mean? I feel like that these are people in positions like when police officers with the Enfield poltergeist that were like, no, we saw this ghostly stuff going on. Those are people who like their professionalism and and their word is above reproach kind of in, in most situations. Um, so I feel like if a monarch is like, oh, you know what? I saw her in the eight nights leading up to Britain getting involved in the Second World War. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit more believable than, you know, me saying, hey, I saw a ghost of Trans Allegheny. I don't know. There's just like reputation does have <laughs> a bit of stock uh, in, so? in these right. kind of situations. Yeah. Now, our late queen, not and I'm not British. Part of me is. Uh, but the late queen, Elizabeth II, who just died this past September, she even claimed, uh, back when she was alive, that she and her sister, Princess Margaret, witnessed paranormal activity in Windsor Castle. And they both believed that they had seen the apparition of Queen Elizabeth I. When I came across this, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because Queen Elizabeth II is very no-nonsense. She's very loud. She doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. She's yeah. the only queen most of us have ever known, and she has always Not been very just... fanciful. Yeah. Uh-uh, yes. <laughs> Not given to flights of fancy. <laughs> exactly. So it is alleged that um, the young sisters, Elizabeth and Margaret, were together in the library when they heard footsteps and then saw the legendary uh, monarch before them, um, which... You know, I they I don't know how long this story's been going on. I don't know if it's a situation where they told someone who told someone who told someone and you know leaked it to the press and whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's pretty amazing. I searched so many sources when compiling this story. Del said the same thing. That she and her she said that her and her younger sister saw the ghost of Queen Elizabeth I in Windsor Castle. And I was like, Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, the first account of Queen Elizabeth, the first ghost, is from February 1897, when a man named Lieutenant Carr Glynn, Glynn, Glenn, Glynn, whatever, Glenn, yeah. Glynn, um, was one of the Grenadier Guards 
He was sitting in the outer room of the Queen's library. Again, she loves a, this library is her place mm-hmm. in Windsor Castle. Um, and a lady dressed in black passed by him, walking by him. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was intrigued by the woman's resemblance to the portraits that he had seen of Queen Elizabeth I. So he followed her. And um, he couldn't find any trace of her. Even though, like, where she went, there was no other exit from the area. So he followed her down there and... She just vanished. She was just gone. She was just gone. Um, So, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm here for it. I think, why not? Why not? You know what I mean? You devote your life in in service to a nation and a, a, a commonwealth of nations um maybe you are still sticking around to make sure that they're still being taken care of or whatever you however have a good one you're next and you're you're gonna talk about (laughs) you're gonna talk about the baby daddy right so the most fun baby daddy ever ever Ever. (laughs) (laughs) so as we kind of discussed earlier uh he Uh, perpetrated the suffering of royals like Anne Boleyn and her cousin Catherine Howard, but he wasn't just a wife killer. No, the man was an equal opportunity killer too. Good. He killed heretics, rivals, his wives' friends and associates, nuns, well at least one nun, monks, and random other people he didn't like. So even if he wasn't tormented by others during his long and horrible reign, He certainly did enough tormenting of his own to earn a place as one of Britain's eternally restless spirits. He would have killed all of you if I had been his wife. His wife's friends and I'm like, well, there goes all mine. I got nobody left. (laughs) What a jealous bitch. All right. So Henry VIII is probably the most famous alleged haunting at Windsor. Uh, According to the website Royal Central, guests staying at the castle have reported seeing him wandering the hallways, describing him as an anxious, angry man pacing furiously and shouting loudly. Cool. So no peace for him in the afterlife. He's still just as upset. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Infamously cruel, Henry VIII was responsible for the dissolution of the monasteries and the creation of the Church of England, purely so he could divorce any wives who didn't issue fourth sons to carry on his line. He also flat out executed two of them for adultery. So maybe he's feeling a little guilty in the afterlife. Probably not. Right. So several officials and visitors report hearing the king cry in the castle's cloisters, as well as being seen wandering the halls, groaning in pain and dragging his ulcerated leg. Yeah. Its screams are occasional, but it is described as a large, angry ghost. Uh, One thing that's kind of interesting to note, uh, some historians have uh, posited that Henry VIII's tyrannical nature was actually the result of a change in personality brought on by a head injury he suffered in a jousting accident uh, when he was around 44. Yeah. We do know that he had a variety of health problems, many of which were exacerbated by the accident, uh, like the aforementioned leg ulcers. It's also now thought that a brain injury may have occurred at the same time and gone undetected. So yeah. maybe have a TBI there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had what because you know I love I love the monarchy, so I have watched documentaries, read books, all that. Um, 
So, but it's not like he was a super swell guy before he had that happen. Like, but he was actually. He really. He was. He was. Yeah. Um. He was. He was one of those. Um, sort of like George the Sixth. Like he was never meant to be king. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother was the Prince of Wales, and his brother was supposed to become the king. But his brother died, and before the father died, and so then when the father died, Henry VIII was like, "Oh, I'm." 12 and now I'm king. Um, so by all accounts and historical accounts, he was a very just ruler and he was very popular. He was young. He was, he was six feet tall, which was hella rare in the 1500s. Yeah, that's big. Very athletic, very, I mean, and he was in love with Catherine of Aragon and they were together for like 20, 25 years or something. Okay. But... And he was a very just ruler by, well, I mean, as just as you can be in the 15 fucking hundreds, but, um, he did, he had a series of accidents. His leg was injured in the jousting accident. And he also, he hit his head really hard during that. Um, so there's a rumor, a lot, a big myth that goes around that. Do you remember when we went to tower of London and we went to the, um, the white tower and we saw all of the armor that all of everybody wore? Mm-hmm. And we saw yeah. Henry VIII's and his codpiece was really huge. Mm-hmm. I know as a lesbian, you look straight at the codpieces. That's all I do. That's all I'm looking listen, for. Listen, listen. I know. You're like, I need to have my mind changed. Let me look at these cod pieces. I get it. I know. And the fact that it's called a cod piece really just... <laughs> mm. Really makes you question your life choices. I know. I mean, I'm full of regret. Regret, Carrie, I say. I I know. I know. It's okay, sweetie. We'll take you back there so you can look some more and really just (laughs) make sure your decision was correct. Um, Because it was a choice after all. Um, (laughs) So the rumor. After seeing the cod piece, it was. Listen. The rumor was that his codpiece was so large because he was suffering from syphilis and it made his junk junk <laughs> inflamed. But that's actually not true. That's a rumor. The reason it was so large was because the king was supposed to be a very virile man. He was supposed to be seen as, you know, hey, this guy can have all the sons he wants. And because he was so obsessed with the fact that he didn't have sons, which by the way, Catherine of Aragon actually had a number of pregnancies and I believe a bunch of them were boys. They just happened to die in infancy, which is what babies did back then. Yeah. It wasn't her fault. But so that was one of the things. Um, But this ulcerated leg, he had gotten injured in the jousting accident. And they think that because it wasn't like medicine, like we have at the time, a bottle of hydrogen peroxide might have cured that for him. But they didn't have it then. So they think that he um, might have gotten sepsis too. And he might have gotten septicemia in his blood, which then, in addition to the brain injury, the poisoned blood made him become this tyrant that he eventually ended up becoming and and made him um, sort of obsessed with being, you know, a mighty husband and having a beautiful wife that's going to give him a son. And, you know, it was Mm -hmm. the whole thing. So, um, I, I, I do think that, that the physical ailments that he had turned him into what he became and what is now known today, really. All right. 
Well, tell us. So next up is Mary, Queen of Scots. And um, so Henry VIII actually wasn't the only royal known for imprisoning and executing other royals. His uh, daughter, Queen Elizabeth I, did it too. And this was really kind of hella fucked. I was like, all right, you got a little bit of your daddy in you. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's her, her fucking excuse? <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, her most famous victim was uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, and she was Elizabeth's Catholic counterpart. Now, as you mentioned earlier, Henry VIII um, was the one who broke from the Catholic Church so that he could be the head of the Church of England and he could marry and divorce whoever he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And who he wanted was Anne Boleyn and she was a Protestant and the Pope was like, you're not getting a divorce. It was a whole thing. So that did not end with his death. So Mary, Queen of Scots, um, she, like I said, she was Elizabeth's Catholic counterpart. Uh, she was in Scotland during the time when Elizabeth was um crowned queen and it was during a time when catholics wanted a catholic monarch and protestants wanted a protestant monarch and elizabeth the first was the protestant monarch so she felt threatened by her cousin um not just because she was a catholic and there were still a lot of catholics in england but because she also kind of had a better claim to the throne so according to the royal.uk mary Queen of Scots was Henry the Seventh's great granddaughter, which meant that she was actually next in line for the throne after Henry the Eighth's children. Okay, he had a few, but he only recognized a couple of them, and mm-hmm. it was a whole thing. So, but because Elizabeth the First was Anne Boleyn's daughter. There were still a bunch of people that felt that she was a bastard and not recognized as a legitimate child of Henry VIII. So, to Elizabeth, um, therefore Elizabeth couldn't be a true queen of England. So to Elizabeth, Mary was a rival. And as a rival, uh, she ended up spending 19 years as Elizabeth's prisoner before she finally executed Mary Queen of Scots in 1587. Wow. Yeah. It was a very, if you haven't ever seen, um, I believe the movie is actually called Mary Queen of Scots. It's with, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Saoirse Ronan and um, Margot Robbie. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. The dynamic is it's really yeah. excellent. So Mary's ghost stays pretty busy. Uh, She's been seen in her former residences um, and at the castle where her son lived. Uh, Her son would actually go on to become King of England when Queen Elizabeth I died because she died childless and with no heirs. Um, So Mary, Queen of Scots' son, would become King of England. Um, She's also at various places where she stayed, where she was imprisoned, and at least one place that she'd actually never visited, a place called... um, Hermitage Castle. I'm probably saying that really, really wrong. I kind of want to put a French Hermitage. I don't know why. I'm not sure. Hermitage. Um, Sure. There we go. Hermitage, maybe. Um, She's also said to haunt the Talbot Hotel, uh, which houses the same oak staircase that Mary descended on her way to the block. Wow. We gotta go there. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a fun place to visit. Let's do it. Put it on the list. Thousand percent. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so on to King George III, mm-hmm. also known as the Mad King. Uh, George III was famous for being the dude at the reigns of England during the American Revolution, and also for being quite mentally ill. Um, there have been a lot of theories thrown around about the reasons for George III's madness, from um, porphyria, Theria, am I saying that right? Which is a rare genetic disorder that can cause random temporary personality changes. Um, yeah. Sure, I'll go with what you said. To bipolar disorder, uh, which more completely explains his mood swings and incessant loquacity. Basically, he talked a lot. So despite what <laughs> So he was me. Is that he what you're very, fucking getting at? Very, very loquacious. <laughs> didn't shut the fuck up all right okay so despite what popular legend has led a lot of people to believe though uh george didn't spend his whole life hiding from government agents and having conversations with royal phantoms Uh, he had bouts of madness followed by bouts of sanity so he was more like a part-time king for much of his reign (laughs) Uh, okay depends on the day uh during his bouts of madness george would be whisked off to windsor castle where he was hidden away like an embarrassing secret until he was once again fit to rule Uh, according to royal central his mournful ghost still haunts the castle where it's often seen looking longingly out of the windows and occasionally saluting guards who see him and salute him oh that's sad no that's not too too bad yeah no i mean that's not a monarch you want to um be uh one the mad king uh mm-hmm. two uh you you lost a big chunk of your country to the colonies um to a bunch of fucking farmers go on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah basically basically um my next one that i'm going to talk about is my very favorite and um Bora you were there you again we were at tower of london and um This is The Two Princes in the Tower, and it's one of the most famous uh, ghost tales of the Tower of London. Um, So the two two of Britain's most famous ghosts died as a duo, and they haunt as a duo. Uh, So it was Edward V and his brother Richard, the Duke of York. Um, Their their father had died, and um, help me, guys... Uh, we're getting ready to lose a lot of our British listeners because I can't remember which one. I believe it was Edward V was the um, Prince of Wit. Like he was going, he was the the heir. Um, And then there was his younger brother. And also British folks, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Edward V. Um, He was supposed to be next in line, but because they were so young, they had to have a regent. Um, And the regent happened to be their father's brother, Richard III. So, um, Edward V and his brother, the Duke of York, were famously sequestered in the Tower of London by their uncle, um, Richard III. And the reason that that Richard put them in the tower was for their own, air quote, safety. Mm-hmm. Um, because he didn't want somebody to kill the boys because they were so young, they were inexperienced, they were blah, 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 blah. So his reasoning was, I'm putting locking them in the tower to protect them until he's of age. In the meantime, I'm going to go be king mm-hmm. in his stead. So um, they were 13 and they were 10. And 
they had been seen while they were living there, playing in the courtyard, playing, like, running along, like, the, what do you call them, ramparts, battlements, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole area we walked on. Uh, (laughs) They had been seen playing in the tower, but then one day they just were never seen again. So... According to Historic UK, no one really knows how long they remained in the tower before they were murdered, but most people do believe they were murdered. Um, And nobody really knows if it was Richard himself who ordered their deaths or if it was his successor, Henry VII, who was Henry VIII's father. Now, Henry VII would have had a hard time claiming the throne for himself if the two boys were still alive. So it that was the whole like War of the Roses thing, right? The Plantagenets mm-hmm. and the Tudors. That was that whole area of time. Um, at any rate, uh, the there's little doubt that the boys were murdered. Um, they're skeletons or rather two skeletons of boys roughly the same age were found under stairs in the White Tower. And they were found buried under this stairwell in the tower, in the White Tower at the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. Um, several hundred years, not several hundred, a couple hundred years later. So their um, bones were taken and interred at Westminster Abbey as the two princes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, their ghosts still haunt the tower and have appeared as two figures dressed in nightgowns, sometimes um, sobbing and crying and, and like kind of hugging each other, like in fright, just scared, like you would expect Aww. two little kids to do. Right. Um, some people have heard the ghostly laughter of children outside the tower. Um, and then according to some of the tabloids, one um, one or both of them enjoys photobombing tourists. So maybe they're still having fun. Um, you can actually, and I think we did talk about this in our episode talking about the Tower of London. Uh, you can Google search the the two princes. There are a couple of um, photos that are circulating that that might actually show one of the two or both of them uh, at the Tower of London as um, apparitions, which is is really cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay, so. On to Queen Mary, also known as Bloody Mary. Mm. Uh, again, she was she was remembered as Bloody Mary, Henry VIII's first child. Uh, Mary was fond of burning heretics at the stake and being grumpy. And being grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the grumpy right? part. I don't burn yeah. heretics. <laughs> I am a heretic. Okay. So with that much negative history attached to her memory, it's hardly surprising that Mary's ghost might still be walking around England. Uh, Mary's most famous appearances have been at Sawston Hall, which is the place she hid during the short uh, rebellion that almost put Lady Jane Grey on the throne in her steed. Instead, Mary was hidden there by the Huddleston family. So Um, much drama. Right. And when Jane Grey's father-in-law, the Duke of Northumberland, (laughs) discovered her (laughs) whereabouts, he had the hall burned to the ground. Oh, Uh, casual. Right? I mean, as you do. Mary escaped in disguise and became the queen. And then she started burning people to death. So much fire. I mean, so much drama. Right? This is why The Tudors is a very, very excellent show. All the drama. 
So anyway, Sawston Hall was rebuilt with Mary's help, but even though it's not the same Sawston Hall where Mary hid during one of the more traumatic chapters of her life, she's evidently chosen to spend eternity there. Uh, her ghost has been seen floating around the corridors and rooms and sometimes outside in the garden. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, she does have the nickname Bloody Mary, but she is actually not the Bloody Mary of the fun children's game in the 80s and 90s that we used to play at slumber parties. It's a different right. Bloody Mary. Or the drink. Come on. Oh, but the drink is so <laughs> good. Um, oh, yeah. Right. All right. Let's talk about Lady Jane Grey, who caused Mary to be all uppity and whatever. Extra. <laughs> So, she's also known as the Nine Days Queen. So, many royals have supposedly ended up as ghosts, but what about Lady Jane Grey? Um, which also, there's always a grey lady at some creepy old, musty, dusty castle in Europe, right? This woman's name is actually Lady Jane Grey. Um... She was believed to be a usurper who actually didn't voluntarily make a choice to be a usurper, but ended up um, beheaded anyway. Now, Jane Grey was the distant relative of Henry VIII and his fifth in line for the um, distant relative of Henry VIII. And she was fifth in line to the throne. But when Henry VIII died, his son, the one that he wanted forever, Jane Seymour gave him the son, mm-hmm. became king, Edward VI. When he became king, Edward decided to make Jane Grey, his cousin, his um, successor. Even though his sister Mary should have been queen after he died, right? Right. Um, But he chose Jane Grey mostly because she was a Protestant and his big sister, Mary, was Catholic. Unfortunately for Jane, um, her cousin, the king, the little kid who died like when he was like 15, basically handed her uh, her execution um, and her own severed head when he made her his successor. And because Mary was like, I don't think so. So her reign was short-lived. She sat on the throne, like I said, for nine days, but she was forced to give it up when it became very, very clear that public support was not on her side. Um, Also, talk about daddy issues. uh, When her own father was like, don't kill me, Mary. I totally supported you the whole time. Kill Jane instead. Amazing. Uh, listen, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't even, I don't even know. So her father was pardoned and Jane herself was executed by the newly crowned Queen Mary um, seven months later. So according to Royal Central, Jane still haunts the Tower of London where she was executed in 1554. Two guards famously saw her ghost walking on the battlements. That's what it's called, Laura. Not ramparts, battlements. There we go. Of the Tower of London in 1957. Some, what is that, almost over 400 years later? Right. Um, Other sightings tend to happen around the anniversary of her death. So, yeah. See a lady, a gray lady? That's that's Jane Gray. That's actually her name. (laughs) Right. So, uh, moving along to Queen Victoria. Okay. Uh, she really doesn't like people messing with her shit. 
Uh, who the does? queen who gave her name to a whole period of British history is said to haunt Windsor Castle because she was unhappy with the alterations that her great-grandson, King Edward uh, VIII, made to the residence. Though he was a king who was never crowned, Edward quickly set about changing things at Windsor Castle at the request of Wallace Simpson, who wanted the spruce trees planted by Victoria and Prince Albert uprooted. Uh-oh. Yeah, don't do that. I'd be kind of annoyed too. <laughs> right? The work was hindered by some unexplained uh, phenomena with some workmen in 1936 claiming to see the ghost of Queen Victoria crossing the grounds, waving her arms and moaning loudly. The trees remain there to this day. Listen, she wasn't known as like the most hospitable or even friendly looking monarch. Right. So she kind of looks like a bulldog. So a kind of yes. Fuck with her. <laughs> yes. Just don't do that. For sure. So if she showed up and was like mad about her trees, um, yeah, because you knew you know that Edward the Eighth and Wallace Simpson weren't gonna just be like, well, fuck it. If you guys won't do it, we'll do it ourselves. No. Yeah, so the yeah the trees remain there to this day, which I love. I'm like, you know what? My fucking trees better remain here to this day, too. I love maple and myrtle. Um, the next one is King Charles I. Now, this guy, yeah, uh, he's, he's not the most popular. He's not the most unpopular. He's just sort of, um, his turn in the monarchy is pivotal, for sure, but... Um, he is the most famous or claimed to be the most he doesn't claim to be the most famous ghost in England (laughs) people claim he is the most famous ghost Um, he was born in the year 1600 and he was beheaded in 1649 now during his lifetime he actually engaged in this power struggle with the English parliament um, after they objected to his dictatorial actions, he took the position that he was ordained by God and um, to, to rule. And he did not need parliamentary consent to levy taxes or do whatever interfere with the workings of the church. Uh, very a la Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. However, there is a reason why we have the Magna Carta. And um, <laughs> you saw it there. There, it um, is basically what says the the thing that was created to say that the British monarchy is a constitutional monarchy, and the the monarch does not have divine power to just basically do whatever the fuck they want. Um, so, because he just wouldn't agree to this and kind of threw a bitch fit, he was executed at Whitehall. Uh, now. He was a little theatrical. He wore two shirts to the execution to stop the chill weather from making him shiver because he didn't want to appear um, to have any fear in front of the crowd. His last words were bougie as fuck and they were as follows. (laughs) I shall go from corruptible to an incorruptible crown where no disturbance can be. I don't actually know what that means. Um, And then he was beheaded with one clean stroke. So there's that on that. But it's well documented. Respect respect on that one. I mean, for sure. (laughs) 
It's well documented that King Charles I haunts Painswick Courthouse. He stayed there during the Siege of Gloucester in 1643. His ghost has been seen on numerous occasions in the grounds of the courthouse, along with some of his men. Witnesses have heard the sound of clanking armor as Charles's ghostly men suit up for battle, which, what kind of shitty afterlife is that? We still right. got to fight for this guy? Really? Are you sure? Well, okay. Um, so shortly after his execution in 1649, the headless ghost of the king is reported to have appeared at uh, Chavenage House. Chavenage House? Guys, let me know what that is. Um, during the funeral of Colonel Nathaniel Stevens, who happened to fall ill and died a few months after the king's death. Apparently he was very supportive of the king, this colonel. Um, so servants reported a mysterious black horse-drawn carriage driven by a headless coachman pulling into the driveway. The dead Nathaniel's body was seen to drift, the actual body was seen to drift down the stairs where it, from where it was laying in wait mm -hmm. and out of the front door into the awaiting coach. As it went, its headless coachman assumed the shape of the martyr King Charles I this being seen as retribution for the colonel's disloyalty to his monarch. Okay, I'm sorry. He wasn't loyal. He was disloyal. My bad. It's hard to keep up with the loyal and the disloyal ones. There's yeah, so many. There's a lot going on. To this day, I mean, we don't, we can't keep track. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, as it went, the headless coachman was revealed to be King Charles I. The act being seen as retribution for this guy's disloyalty to him uh, when he was alive. The coach then in what I can only describe as carry dramatic fashion. I love this. I want to do it too. Burst into flames <laughs> upon passing through the manor gates. So you want I love to spontaneously that one. combust or that's how you want to go out. As I carry. Yes. In a carriage with a headless horseman. In As I carry season. your body out of the building. Fuck. Yeah. Laura, this is how we're going to end the podcast. It's going to be All right, I love it. epic. Epic. Sounds great. Yes. <laughs> That's Instagram gold right there. A thousand percent. Right. <laughs> Viral TikTok it is. All right. So uh, on to Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. Uh, so after one. Prince Philip died in 2021, the Queen's son, Andrew, and his daughter, Beatrice, I believe, bought the Queen two corgi pups that she would go on to name Sandy and Mick. Uh, the Duchess of York and her ex-husband, Prince Andrew, um, who was 63, inherited the dogs after the monarch died in September. According to Sarah Ferguson, um, Fergie, she said Elizabeth's Fergie. corgis, Sandy and Mick, bark at nothing when they sense the queen's spirit is near. Uh, they are national icons, so every time they run chasing a squirrel, I panic. <laughs> I mean, I would too. If I had right. Queen Elizabeth's dogs, I'd be like, don't get hit by a car or kidnapped. Yeah, for people at a recent profile. Um, <laughs> but they're total joys, and I always think that when they bark at nothing and when there's no squirrels in sight, I believe it's because the queen is passing by for the state. I like that. I mean, oh, it's a nice it is. It's a nice, it's a nice one. I, I kind of... Um, there's there seems to be this trend on social media primarily on tiktok where when a celebrity dies people are rushing to try to get into contact with the celebrity mm -hmm. yeah, um absolutely. it happened when olivia newton john died it happened um 
when Leslie Jordan died, it, 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 people just seemed to be like, they're dead. Let's try to contact them. We couldn't talk to them in life. We couldn't get anywhere near them. But right. it's paranormal investigators. Let's, so I don't, when I saw this, I was like, I don't actually know if I love this story. But um, at the same time, I know that animals can also grieve. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a very beautiful um, picture of the two dogs at Windsor Castle after she had been laid to rest. And they were just sort of like with their handlers were like laying down and kind of looking sad, like they were waiting for her to come home. And I know that animals can do that. So I, I, I wanted to include this one in the episode just because you know what, if the dogs see her, if she's coming back to like, see that, like, fine, let's include this one. It's not where, you know, we had a seance in the grounds of Windsor <laughs> Castle and we're like, Queen Elizabeth, could you, you know, this is a, is a really much more touching story that I, I, I prefer to think is, is, you know, is true. And, and maybe she is checking in on them and, and maybe their barks at nothing are just, you know, seeing her come through. So I wanted to end the episode uh, with her uh, and I, not to be disrespectful in any kind of way. Um I just think it's a very sweet story. Everybody, she was well known for loving her animals and, and them loving her. And so um, I felt like I had to add a caveat to, to including her in this Ghost of the British Monarchy episode because I'm, I'm not, I wasn't and trying Dave to be disrespectful. He is obsessed with corgis, kind of annoyingly. Listen, their sploots yeah. are the best. They're so we had to watch that terrible movie, The Queen's Corgis. It's awful. Is it really um, awful? But is the corgi super cute? And I've seen it like, more than once so um it doesn't get better uh but is the corgi super he loves it because it's corgis i mean they're the best you can't go wrong their little fluff butts are just so perfect um so yeah guys that is our uh our welcome back episode on this coronation day um we are actually recording this on uh, Wednesday, April 26th, so about a little over a week before coronation. But I'm going to tell you, today, on coronation day, my mother and I are getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to watch the coronation on TV. We are having mimosas. We are having quiche. We are going to doll it up. Um, we So yeah, we are, we are very excited um, to watch the coronation. And I will be texting Laura pictures and video the whole time. With everything turned off. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'll be sleeping. Yeah. But I wish you the best. I I hope you guys have a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. A thousand, a thousand percent. Um, So we have kind of chat, chit chatted a lot. Um, We will be back uh, with our next episode, which I do not mind telling you is hang on Mason. Oh, our revisit to the Ohio state reformatory is our next episode coming up. We're releasing it the week before we actually go to Ohio state reformatory. So we want you guys to have all of the information fresh in your minds when we are there at the paranormal convention. Um, and, uh, yeah, to that end, I don't have any really chit chatty things I want to say. Yeah, me neither. I'm good. Okay, I am too. Why don't you let everybody know where they can follow us? As always, none of that has changed either, guys. No. You can still follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at HOH Podcast. And more on the TikTok at HOH Carrie and at HOAH co-host Laura. Yes, and Laura is just oodles and oodles of ideas for her TikToks. 
But that's it. Oh, just ideas. Just ideas. <laughs> they float in and out of her head. Like, she doesn't write them down. She doesn't do anything with them. She doesn't tell me. Like, she just... I'm terrible with social media. Personally and... Yeah. Yeah, Carrie gives me a hard time. But luckily, Carrie makes up for it <laughs> by being overly TikTok-y. Overly tiktok I love a good TikTok. Um, yeah, for sure. But just so you guys are aware... Our social media is going to blow up with things that we are saying, doing, seeing, and experiencing at the Mansfield Paracon, and that includes Laura's TikTok. If I have to give my niece Emma her phone and have Emma post for her. It'll, as you wish. I will do it. <laughs> Just this one weekend, like you got nothing to do but hang you out and it. talk all things podcast. yes so to that end guys thank you so much for watching welcome back we have missed you so fucking much we're so glad to be back with you every single week and as we always say that hasn't changed stay safe out there because you never know who or what royal dude really (laughs) is listening also god save the king all right thank you all bye guys